welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome everybody to another episode of MSP 1337. This is the special edition, shows up the third Tuesday of every month, Fireside Chat with Matt Lee. Welcome to the show, Matt. Man, it's great to be back, brother. Thanks for having me. We have sort of agreed that over the next several months, we're going to, I don't want to say solve for the obstacles and hurdles that solution providers might be facing as they try to adopt CIS controls, but to diffuse or maybe take away some of the myths and really help people understand the intent is far more important than the actual prescriptive direction being given. However, those prescriptive directions are meant to help you solve that greater control. And so if you can't do it because of finances or you can't do it because of size of company, well, then that raises the question of, is there a compensating control or is it actually relevant to your organization? Because I I would argue that when you start to creep through all those things being a, a factor you know, this this wasn't written specifically to say my MSP. It was written to a general audience yep. from a technical perspective. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely fair. It's kind of, I mean, I, I oversummarized, but it's stove hot, don't touch stove, right? It, there's different ways no. you might touch a stove. There's different <laughs> ways you might touch something that's hot. But ultimately, once you've touched hot stove, you can generally apply that to another type of hot thing like a meat brand or right. Or, right. You you have a general concept of heat and flesh at that. And point. you think about yeah. that today in today's world, as far as the evolution of technology, I watched a YouTube video the other day and they had put in a magnetic um, stovetop surface. So it sure. doesn't work unless the pans are magnetic. Right. So right. if you take the pan off the surface, you can put your hand on the stove surface and not burn your hand. And but I'm like, not the pan. Right. Yeah, don't touch the pan. Yeah, the pan is hot. Yes. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hmm, <laughs> how do you establish the no factor on that one with your kids? Yeah, like, yeah. no, no, no. This is yeah. our stove, not right, everybody right. else's stove. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're teaching them bad. It data, worked at right? home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that's kind of relevant to to this too. It's this is getting into where I know a lot of solution providers struggle is they'll say, we we the the age-old saying of do as I say, not as I do. And that yeah. may be true. Um, but be prepared to defend your stance on that as well. So as we go through this, we're talking about control two today, uh, inventory and control of software assets. And what the heck is a software asset anyways? <laughs> uh, you and I talked about this before the show, the operating system, the virtual machine, what makes it physical in, in some respects versus what makes it really truly software, whether it's virtualized or not. So- well, yeah, go ahead. She helps. They they help us out with this, right? Uh, Phyllis Lee and team has eight got published. They have an overview section, and that overview says actively actively manage. Man, I guess my voice is not working yet. Yeah. Actively manage inventory, track and correct. Which means now you're talking about active, right? Having an inventory, tracking it, correcting it as you need to. All software, operating systems, and applications on the network. So that only authorized software is installed and can execute and that unauthorized and unmanaged software is found and prevented from installation or execution. And even in that overview, I find it short of what information you need to successfully take this and apply it. Right. And we'll get get into that in a little bit. Like my definition of software assets is a little broader. But even in this small um, definition, it's saying you need to know the OSs, 
need to know the applications on the network so that only authorized software is installed and can execute. Well, even that gets more interesting because the operating system in itself being known isn't even going to accomplish the latter part of this. And as we look at some of these safeguards, they kind of get into having application control, knowing the OS, which means right. being able to manage it. But anyways, what are your and thoughts? And this is also a precursor, right? So this is a precursor to control seven. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, the patching and, and maintaining of said software. Right. And I, right. and I think, I think this is uh, where a lot of solution providers get it wrong is that they, they kind of glaze this over. They treat it like they did physical asset inventory. They're like, yeah, I got it pretty good. I think we're 89% got this covered. And then they get to control yeah. seven. They're like, oh crap. Right. Right. Like this is telling me all the things that found that need to be patched. And like, that's not even in my inventory list. Well, so, and let alone control three, right? I like to call <laughs> control one, two, and threes, know thyself. Right. right. I like to think of that as the know myself, know my stuff, so I can even begin to know how to defend it. You as a general wouldn't start preparing a battle if you didn't know all the assets you needed to protect, the rail lines, the fuel distribution, the flight lines that you needed to right. access. Like you wouldn't do that. And so this so is know thyself is is one through three would That's like fourth yeah. would would four through seven be how I want it to look how I want myself to like <laughs> yeah what's yeah. my represent like if someone saw me do they see me as a clean house with the proper it, it, doors if I and was locks? using slang it'd be get your shit right right get your shit right got it got it you know what I mean yeah like four five six and seven are really get your stuff right uh, well then you kind of get into uh, the latter part of the control set then and it kind of is getting into let me show you how yeah yeah in yeah my four really is well and then I... respond well and do things to show exactly yeah but i think for for one two and three from that framing we've already tackled what is an asset kind of right we we, yes. we almost barely scraped the surface actually we've probably spent hours on that but the the point being now we're on to okay you know the places stuff could be right be let's because talk about it's there use. because it's yeah. physically there yeah yeah but let's talk about what you use to accomplish that goal and so when you look at it, it starts with things like 2.1 that says establish and maintain a software inventory. Well, it even calls out here this gap. One of the gaps being in, in include the URL. Well, when we start thinking about the lens for, for, for you know, control three, which is right. data and data protection, well, you got to know where your data is. Just like you have to know where your software is, you have to know where your data is. And in this world, in a post eight world, yeah. and how much of that is URLs for Dropbox or for third party software or all of your SaaS applications. And so you really get into, in my mind, more of a BIA type implications of 2.1. When you start saying establish and maintain a, a software inventory, I'm sorry for anybody following a business impact analysis, right? where you, in essence, go through every software that you ever use, whether it be installed, whether it be a software application in the cloud, and you write them down and list them. And you start to use that as your matrix as you understand your software inventory, right? Your, your, your scale of what could possibly be there. Now, when you get deeper into this, it's asking you to get versions and deployment mechanism documented, decommission date when you kill software. Like, let's tackle that for a sec. How many of you actually decommission software and actually remove and go hunt and eradicate once it's been, you know, downplayed? Uh, or CCleaner and Malwarebytes are great examples of that, right? Like, hey, I downloaded this to make sure that sure. it was now clean and then didn't uninstall it when I was done. Right, right. I've never done that no, I definitely yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah. and and, and we wouldn't even talk about well we wouldn't even talk about it today if if I go back in time I want to say it was like 2018 
uh sea cleaner had oh the, the sea cleaner uh the man in the middle uh yep yeah the in, infected the the patch so yep. if you had auto update turned on for sea cleaner which a lot of people did because by default it actually was set that way and the only reason this wasn't a highly exploited um you know malware was because they were targeting specific domains in the script so if they got on your domain they're like oh this isn't cisco this isn't right. microsoft like right no it's no longer valid it's basically a benign uh malware was that tied right to a nation state player i don't remember if a, it was nation state or not but you know based on what it was going after it would make sense that it was nation state right yeah yeah totally totally so let's Anyways, talk, tangential yeah, yeah. I, I, a couple of things I want to talk about before we maybe go a little bit further into some of the pieces of it, like, is that in version seven, they were matter of fact statement, like you will use a SCAP tool, a SCAP certified tool to do this. Now, it still talks about um, using one, but it says it's one example of it yes. is no longer definitive gotten, in saying it must be. Which is um, good because right. the tools haven't been updated. They're all enterprise. They don't apply to an MSP. There's... I think one that's Qualys that might even get close to to registering there. Uh, There's and, a and, few of them. Yeah. There's even some open source ones. But at the end of the yep. day, I, you know, I don't know that it does does not, it does it not, find what you need it to find. Right, and that's the point. You know, when they start getting into SCAP as a definition, SP eight hundred one twenty six. Right, you you get into that understanding that they wanted to define a standard, but at the end of the day, the spirit of this is know what software you have. And yeah. by golly, if you're installing it, stay up to date. That gets challenging. How, you know, let me give you a question to tackle on that when we get to that, maybe in control seven, a little deeper, but I think Nmap and Zenmap, which is a GUI for uh, Nmap, Nmap, I believe that met SCAP, but regardless, we don't need to spend Probably time only on this. at an OS fingerprinting level. If I had to guess, I believe I that's what it actually even refers. Yeah. yeah. It even says yeah. at a fingerprinting level. Yeah. Yeah, but there are tools out there, right? There's several right. of them in the MSP community that'll say, hey, here's the OS version and here's where your patching is. In fact, look at Defender from, with Microsoft. Yeah, yep. Microsoft Defender for their Office 365 Defender that's included in Business Premium will tell you whether or not you're patched on almost everything. In fact, my my son uh, has uh, you know Java installed for Minecraft and I right. have them on our internal Office 365 domain for my, my family's household. And, uh, and, you know, I get a notice and I'm like, well, how do you have 40 instances of Log4j? Right. Well, it's all in all of the downloaded files in his app data for Minecraft. I simply cleared his app data and they're not even sites he's going to anymore. These were old poison, yeah. uh, not poison, but they had the Log4j vulnerability in them. And so if he were on one of those sites, someone could run a Jindy command yeah. and send something to his machine. And so I well, found that, you know, through a, a scanner, right? Before we jump again, I, I think it's important to note that Log4j is a good example of this. Don't get crazy on zero-day exploit vulnerabilities if there's really no way that it can easily get into your environment. Like priority, sure, but set a priority. And I run into this a lot. Maybe you do as well. Is like when you see vulnerabilities that need to be addressed, what is your current structure around addressing those vulnerabilities? Like based on a critical and potential impact to your business, is it a 24-hour? Is it a 72-hour? Is it right. is it two weeks? Well, and is I it think. First off, I'm a hold us to stick into two dot something, not seven dot something. We've we've definitely drifted the needle a smidge. Uh, we did, but but I think it's but, important to bring this up now because of what you're saying. Because 100%. we have, yeah, you got to know yourself. You got to know your data flows. You got to know where the data lives, which is going to be where the software is. Yep. But I think to your point, 
it's not what the date is. It's that there is one established. Yes. <laughs> right. It's that you've defined classes and categories. You've had that conversation with right. the client. You and know and what I guess those that, yeah, yeah. that was my point. Like as yeah. you're doing this, it, it helps. Yeah. We're not in control seven, but it helps right. to think about some of these things into it because it'll does. prepare you for seven, but more importantly, it'll help you recognize what is this that I'm addressing that makes it yeah. software in the first place? Because you know what? Physical hardware may have vulnerabilities. That has a whole different world to protect and secure than that software. Is. Yeah, a great example is a FIDO token, right? And right. We're, we're drifting. That FIDO yes. token is an asset. It's a it's a multi-factor asset that is part of the, the world that should be tracked. I guess we didn't tackle that last no. time we talked. But it is an asset and it can be pried apart. And on certain chip types, they can be... Leads can be attached and they can read it thousands of times to get, or it was millions of times, to get a ba baseline understanding of what the seed value is and then replicate it. That's a one type of attack and it has only one prevention. Don't let it leave my site right. and let somebody have it for three days without reporting it, right? That's all That's all it well, takes for this. I mean, yeah. not to not to keep on this uh, digress, we digress into the, the world yeah, of physical really getting, assets. Getting, getting how about, how about uh, I want to say it was TCL Series 4 with the Roku embed, the okay. the Roku remote. If you put, pulled the battery cover oh, off, those yeah, 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 the, the soft the lead connections yeah. were right there. So you could literally yeah. identify and manipulate what that remote was capable of doing and understanding. Because remember... Remember, it also has a microphone attached to it. So you yeah. can have a lot of fun with someone's IOT if you, <laughs> but you had to physically, just to your point, like yeah, don't lose the remote, either. right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But anyways, on this control, yeah. yeah. So back to two, um, there's something that I think is really important. If, if you are going through these CIS controls is to remember that under the insights resources of CIS is there's some really good in uh, detail. Like obviously you would want to download the, uh, the, uh, the guide, the PDF. Yeah. Because one the, of the things- The good is, book, as I call yeah, it. Yeah, the good it's, book. It's always up in my PDF reader. For this very specific control, we get really excited at CIS, right? Like if you look in there, so like they have for cloud-specific guidance, they have a whole yeah. other guide for yep. this very yeah. control. Yeah. For they ICS, have, here's another guide. Yeah. For IoT, for mobile, here's another guide. Yeah. 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 So yeah. they have yeah. for ICS, for IoT, for mobile, and for cloud, they have four additional guides- that yep. really in parallel should be references that you're using as you go through this. It gives a whole lot of insight, hint, hence why it's available under resources, under yeah. insights from CIS, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And they're, I mean, they're valuable. They get into tablet and smartphones guidance as well. And I think this goes into that defensibility I always talk about so much, right? Uh, you know, is this point of, if you can show you crossed it, crossed the T's, dotted the I's, did the best you could, understood the subject matter, worked through it, uh, right, then you, you have a lot of defensibility from a reasonable person perspective. But that so aside, let's yeah, not get to, I don't think on this control, we really need to get dive into, you know, IG two and three, because I think the reality of this control is if you do IG one well, which is going to be, uh, you're establishing your software inventory, uh, establish, yeah. uh, unauthorized, um, well, what, first authorizes well, it supported, have a list. Yep. And then if it's authorized, is it supported? Is it supported? And I, and I, I want to take a sec. Well, you this is big. Your yeah, you finish your thought because the other one is address unauthorized software, right? So you said right. what's authorized, make sure that what's authorized supported. It doesn't say, it doesn't say maybe. It says ensure authorized software is currently supported. And then it goes on to say address unauthorized software, which means there is no categorum in which you could be software that is not currently supported. There is, there's nothing supported in well, that situation. It right? does like, have the exception, right? It okay. says four, four in, in two, I believe it gets into, there are exceptions 
for the ability for the business to operate. So yep. um, a perfect example of this is if you had a client that does that has DICOM machines, DICOM sure. imaging machines. You know, you just invested $2.5 million on this device. It runs Windows XP right. embedded, and there's really no path to a new version without dropping 5, 10, however many yeah. millions of dollars to solve for this. And and the, the DICOM machine hasn't evolved, right? But to to replace the embedded OS, you need a new machine. New million so, dollars, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. so there are ways for sure to compensate it, it, well, for this. It says it in here, and this is the first time that someone says compensating controls right. or mitigating controls. It says, yes. if software is unsupported yet necessary for the fulfillment of the enterprise's mission, document an exception, Detailing mitigating controls and residual risk acceptance. So you have two main concepts kicked in there. Right. It's compensating or mitigating controls and then risk acceptance, right? It's one of the things you can do with risk, but you have to document that you've accepted that risk through the preponderance of evidence. You placed mitigating controls to help reduce its risk, right? So let's pause uh, for a minute. What you just said, so for all of you that are listening to this, as we're trying to help you with over overcoming these sort of obstacles and hurdles as you look to become more mature uh, in your cybersecurity uh, journey, you have to already, before you get to this control, because I think this is the one that they don't include, which is what is your approach to this overall picture of a more mature solution provider. And that is, you are going to have to have compensating controls at some point as you go through this journey. So this is probably one of the best places, controls one and two, and maybe three, to go, how are we going to approach when A, we can't financially do that, B, we're not sure how this would even apply to us, or C, uh, I can't, I have no control over this. I can't change the software we are using because they've stopped development and it's going to take us three to five years. So well, let's, it, let's, let's quickly answer what does it mean to have a compensating control? Because there are multiple ways of doing it. One that comes to mind right out of the gate is we can't change this today. Here is the projected date that we can adjust and meet this requirement. We're taking the risk for now, but we have a plan in place to resolve for this. That'd even be the first then, one I think of. Even then, I would want to see something else in my heart that says, here's how else I'm actually adding something to it. Here's how I'm more aware so of it. So how I'm compensating how for it today. Yes. If what I'm they projected it, of how do I solve for this later if I can. I, and I'll give you an example. It's not really directly related to software in this regard, but it is when you think about what you're saying is extend this to the other controls thematically, right? As a theme, we're going to think about mitigating controls and acceptance of risk or avoidance, right? Or those things. And so when we think about this and we take it to the five, where I'm saying 5.6, you know, centralize your your, your uh, sign-ins, right? So use SSO essentially in 5.6. Uh, when you think about that, You just I sounded had... like Curtis from CIS right there. Oh, did I? Oh, I yeah. apologize. You'll have to watch his videos because <laughs> if you start sounding like him too much, I'm going to say, man, oh, what, what voice good. mod are you using? Yeah, it's the Matt mod. You know, it's when I get my teachery voice, right? So it's terrible. But uh, but anyways, so when you get into 5.6 and you're saying, hey, I need a single sign-on. Well, I, when I was trying to do this, said, I can't meet that for all of these applications. What am I going to do? Well, in some cases, I would tie them behind an MFA solution that was tied to single sign-on. And I would say that was a compensating control that allowed me to have at least MFA tied in, like through a uh, uh, XML or through a you know webhook or whatever it may be that they're using for that methodology, depending on the vendor. And so I would say, hey, you can be on this exceptions list for a year. After a year, 
I'm changing to another software. And that was documented. That's how we wrote it was, hey, we know we can't get direct SSO. They don't offer it, but we are going to use MFA and their local identity platform. The MFA will be tied to Duo at that time and Duo will be tied to our Azure Active Directory. And that'll require an MFA prompt within X number of, of sessions, right? It's the way we kind of focus. So, so let, yeah. let, me, let me get a clarification here because this is important sure. because this is this is absolutely one of the largest building blocks of, of anybody doing CIS controls in, and that is the compensating control. Yeah, or mitigating as they're calling it. Yeah, here, but Mid same um, conversation. Yeah, um mitigating or establishing a way to prove I am still taking security seriously. Well, I'm meeting I'm the doing... spirit of this. There That's you go. That's see. the key I'm word. I'm the spirit of this. Are you trying to do what has been called out? And yeah, well, I'll give you a great example, okay? Maybe I'm a little bit of a southerner, a little bit of a redneck, but if you push two metal trunk truck bumpers together and you lay a jack handle over the positive terminals, you have jumped a car without jumper cables, right? And I think my point is sometimes you have to do a little bit of duct tape and bailing wire to get it together until you can financially reach a point, design-wise reach a point, technology development reach a point, right? Those kind of things. And so I, I think of compensating and, and mitigating controls to your point as a big building block. Well, and you just established why you might have to do that. That has nothing to do with the MSP. We take right. for granted that technology has evolved in a lot of these control scenarios. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love the line that uh, I believe it's Curtis from CIS says, uh, I forget his last name right now. Um, if you YouTube his stuff, I, I, I enjoy listening to it because it just it just helps nice. me go, oh, seven to eight. I got it now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he says this, he goes, when you can't solve for, what can you do to the maximum right. possible? And he uses this over and over again, particularly when it comes to like passwords. He's like, if you can't change the username. Right. Like he's like, make it 20 characters or, or as something. many characters yeah, yeah, yeah. as it will allow as complex yeah. as you possibly yeah, yeah. can. And that yeah, is yeah. all you can do in that situation because still today we have technology that has not evolved. It, anybody ever dealt with SNMP trying to talk to a printer yeah. or simple network switch. management protocol? Yeah. Sorry, that's yeah. fine. Hey, what <laughs> version are we up to? Like it has evolved from version V3? one. But how, I think yeah. we're three. But how many yeah. of them actually work when you put the password in of any uh, kind? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Right, fair. right. So if we put security in place, to solve for with a technology that actually removes the ability to rely on the information that that's providing, then you can't use that control. That sure. is not a compensating control if it contradicts what that is measuring for. Which goes right? back to the spirit of it, right? Like right. That's the point. And the so spirit I think, of it. Yeah. So and, I don't want to beat yeah. a dead horse here, but like sure. if you're listening to this, the biggest obstacle you have to overcome in a lot of cases will be how do I approach this with a compensating control? Because I cannot solve for it today yeah. with what's being asked of me. And how can I tell a story about it, right? How can I use the compensating controls, mitigating controls to say, here's how I still met the fact that unauthorized software or authorized software is currently supported. But I do want to tap into something real quick for anybody that's an MSP out there. This is the control that goes to your client and says, well, why do I have to pay that $15,000 software maintenance on my third-party software that I'm installing on a SQL server? I thought I paid you to support it. No, no, no. It says it right here. Right. This is why we need this. We cannot do it if it's not supported. Now, if you can't have, leave it supported, we're going to write an exception. And maybe we start seeing MSPs charge for exceptions, right? Per exception, I'm going to have to do. And, and I know we're focusing on their software, not our software as an MSP. But the point being, the same thought arises when you're making that argument. of. Well, let's just be do. fair for a minute. Internally or not, you are not an expert on the program you are running. I don't care True what story. product it is. Like yeah. if you could be ConnectWise, PSA, or Kaseya, or whatever it might yeah, yeah, be. Yeah. As good as you are, you yeah. still probably are tapping into less than 15 
percent of what the application is capable of doing. So if you think about that in the context of supporting that application provided to you by a third party, how confident are you by yourself without paying for the support that should come with it? Are you going to, are you, are, are you right? Like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to why we have really are focusing on IG one. Cause I think the rest of the safeguards in here um, are, are really, I think if you are doing these three, well, you will probably not be struggling to do the remainder, which are more about because the rest the of them execution. are dependent on There's, that data and, right? and they the support first three it. Are the data and the last five are dependent on that data right if that makes sense right yeah and, and say, i will say this before allowed. we before yeah. we go into three which is about your um uh addressing unauthorized software before we go into that i want to jump to uh 2.6 which is allow list authorized libraries and the reason i bring this up is just for like for you to think about there is a control you will get to i believe it is 15 or 16 software uh, the management of third-party software or customized applications. 16. On 16. Yeah, 16. I totally said that wrong. It's control 16. Yeah. If you think in your organization that you don't actually build software or customize scripts or those types of things, then right now I want you to recognize what is being called out in 2.6, which says allow list of authorized libraries. Yep. You should make a note right here because when you get to control 16, if you didn't start the process here, you have a lot of work to do when you get to 16. So just wanted to throw that out Especially there. Especially if you're building your own stuff and using libraries like that. And, and who's not building? People... Come on. Who's not yeah, building? Yeah. Well, we we say that we're not. I Googled it. I, I used ChatGPT <laughs> to build it for me. Like, But that doesn't like, – that should count yeah, even more so. It's still a script. You're still yeah, running right. something. You're still mm-hmm. doing something. And to make it perfectly clear, if you look at the 3CX compromise, it was an ffmpeg.dll that was not the correct one, right? It was – there's a modified one that had the binaries and the malware binaries in it, if I recall. So you look at why does 2.6 matter? Well, it's because of that. Like you should list all the DLLs you're using. I find 2.6, we'll, we'll get back off this tangent. Sure. 2.6 tough to accomplish in the sense that you usually find people getting to a complete uh, deny all type model using right. you know, application whitelist software. You've been sponsored by Yeah, more before. of a zero trust yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. or allow list only. Yeah, yeah, that methodology. Because that's the only way they can do it. Even then, I wouldn't say it meets the spirit of it. Sure. Because it doesn't meet the spirit of some bloke looking at a DLL and going, is that the right one? We okay with this one? Got right. some updates coming. We cool with this one changing? Yeah, let's yeah. roll her, Bob. Like, What's our change happen. management protocol? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're doing uh, it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're but good. anyways, back to the spirit of two three. Because now, so let's take ourselves through the journey. Two one, we've said, hey, list all the stuff your company finds business value in. If you look at it, there is a comment that says and business purpose for each entry, which yes. does set the stage for what you talked about. It should start setting the stage for what kind of data lives there, what kind of data is going to go there, what does it take to roll this out effectively and correctly. Like think about one of those softwares. Let's say it's Sentinel One, and you get into a software inventory, and it says deployment mechanism you might want to document now i'll move that from my rmm out to uh the psa or out to you know intune or out to uh mdm of some sort right those kind of things so right um but then on this journey we now have a list of the software we should be using right that should be exhaustive you know one of the ways we talk about chris is go look at the accounting book what are you writing out checks for what software are you paying for those are the ones you need to find and list well that's a good starting point, but I would argue that when you scan a machine and you see things that came with it, as an example, yep. but they're not sort of the go-to as an organization. Sure, I always come back to PDF apps, right? PDF readers, like 
yeah, sometimes totally. they come built in with a with one that you may never have the even HP used. Junkware tools, or, or Dell yeah, junkware or, tools, or, uh, or I think a Foxit PDF. Yeah, oh, like Lord Jesus. those can cause real problems down the road. They have. They and, have. And, yeah, and they yeah. do, right? So yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. just that. That would be my thought process is to. But it's it needs to be that. exhaustive. So when you yeah. scan that environment, you should be identifying everything that it comes back with that yep. is running on the machines that you have inventory. Absolutely, and then and, brought up to a higher level, aggregated, and then hunted through for their approval or not. And right? I know like, this is painful. This is one that's going to be a oh, I yeah. you know don't want to go there because well, well you're you're descripting things and I so it comes back to what we're, we're going to wrap up today with which is 2.3 which is address, address unauthorized software. So if you've done a good job to your point on the recap of what is my software inventory and is it currently being supported? Because if it's not, we yeah. know that it has to be unauthorized. We we have yeah, it to can't move be to, authorized. Can't be authorized. Or it has to be or it has to be a compensating control as we've discussed, Correct. right? So. so so with this one, I think is really interesting. So how are we addressing unauthorized? And I don't think this as is as exhaustive as what we just did for one and two. Because in this yeah. particular case, you should be thinking about, and this obviously jumps ahead or is before data protection, which is three, is what does this application touch? Because if it's going to be dialed in with regards to say sensitive or critical data, you know that that application needs to either go away or get yeah. into your approved authorized software and be well, supported. It, it goes deeper than that. How do you address unauthorized software? Sometimes by actually setting the system up so the user doesn't fail, right? Like when you start right. thinking about it, addressing unauthorized software, I might have a CASB. I might use something that allows me to cloud application security broker, sorry. I might use an application that allows me to discover and limit what software can be installed on a machine. I might actually take away local admin rights, which we're going to like piss a lot of people off when we get to the fives, right? Because that's where you start seeing that. But well, you see yeah, this you bring as... up five. I was going to say the same thing. Like, what is a secure configuration for this machine? In four. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, sorry, yeah. four. So what is the secure configuration for this machine? Because one thing that comes to mind for me is if the applications that aren't supported aren't on the machine, have we not solved for this already? Like, let's not yeah. make more work. Let's not. Let, so and that's the point I try to make. Addressing unauthorized software, in my mind, should be a systemic control, right? This should be something that is a systemic method of it shouldn't have a path to get on. It shouldn't have a path to exist if not approved. And if it is going to be approved, it's going to be documented. It's going to be traced. It's going to be validated, right? And there's some stuff where you're kind of screwed. Like even if you take away local admin rights, you still have some things to do to stop a user from being able to install a user-based uh, application, right? You have to actually set some Intune settings and set some GPOs. Oh, yeah, GPOs things. and, yeah, profiles. Yeah. You know, Mac users, yeah. it's like, uh, can they, I mean, we see it with browsers especially. Like, like Spotify is the scourge of the earth, right? Get Dom Kirby going on eradicating Spotify. Like that was his passion project. Well, uh, but... <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of worried about Dom. That that's his passion project, but that's He's for got another. some strange ones. That's bro. another episode. You got to get him on for that one. There's some there's some dark stuff in that neighborhood. But addressing unauthorized software, also think about one of these these examples. So everybody familiar with DMARC management and platforms like DMartian or Valamail or any of those players, they are a way to partially serve 2.3. Right? right, because I now can say nobody can send mail on my behalf. So when I talk about two point three being systemic, I like to think of it very much in your point fours, fives, right? Configuration of things. Seven helps me on addressing unauthorized software if I can't update it. There's all kinds of things that go in there, and then the rest of it's kind of built in. Like it should just make it to where you have a, um, uh, what do you call it? A sterile space 
right? Sure. You have control for configuring it correctly, no ability to maneuver it unless it's going to be done the right way, healthy change control processes and governance as time goes. And you should start getting to a point where you can make 2.3, not something you have I, to do as an active trait. I mean, I keep thinking about the analogy of like, know who I am, right? Know who you are. And it's yeah, like, thyself, now that right? I know, now that I know myself, now that maybe dictates how I get dressed this morning or, 100%. you know, like yeah. what car I'm going to drive. Like yeah. those, those yeah. you can't make decisions well on the rest of the controls. If we fail to get these you know first funny? three done. Control what? seven is know whether you got to have a code on or not, right? Because you're right. knowing what vulnerabilities exist, new patches that are out because this is all of a sudden cold out tomorrow. Now I thought I was dressed in shorts and right. You know what I mean? Like that's anyway. Sorry well, so let's let's really. I think this yeah. is a a spot we can recap. I think what you bring up is really important. Controls in CIS top eighteen build on each other oh, all exactly. the way through. Yeah. So yeah. I would, and I say this a lot, you know, our Candy Lane and, and Golden Yellow Brick Road, Shoots <laughs> yeah. and Ladders Yellow Brick Road. Um, you talk about IG1, and and, I, and I've and i come around a little bit, but I still want to fight with you. I, I've come I around like a little it. bit no, we'll to, keep doing this. We're good. to go through, so go through yeah. seven, the 17 controls in IG1. I get it. But yeah. I would argue this. It's actually 16 controls in IG1. True. 16. because 15 and 18 are not, I think they're not represented. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yes, you're right. 15 and 18. So that <laughs> being said, sometimes. you know what? And the other rest of the time, I just know that I'm not always right. Um, that's, that's <laughs> Me how too, buddy. That. It's a perfect yeah. partnership. Perfect <laughs> Never partner. wrong. Just not always right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I would say for anybody out there that as you're listening to this, I'm going to say that CIS top 18 is a very short sequence of events. I would argue that going from control one through seven, one through six, even at least Master, IG1. Yeah, IG1. Go through IG1 and then go back to the beginning and do IG2 and 3. And the reason why I say that is when you get to controls 11 and 12 and 16, it is very difficult to do even IG1 if you really haven't done well on these first six or seven controls. Is that fair? Yes. And I was even wrong. There's also no 13. So there's actually only 15 controls that have IG1s, but I digress. It's okay. Well, that'd be 14. Quick checking. Well, I mean, we're no. You did subtract three first. from eighteen. Oh yeah, fifteen. Hey, this is <laughs> not a math journey. This is not a math <laughs> conversation. So, um, any Anyways, any parting question, thoughts? Yeah. Because we really didn't get into two dot four, which was you know the the automation. You guys are doing this. Yep. Your solution providers two dot five. You know, allow this for authorized software. We know you're doing this, even if you're not agreeing to this, because your tools are bringing this information in. It's up to you to make those decisions, which kind of goes back to 2.3 unauthorized software. So this is like the contradiction of that, right? If you don't well, it's, know it's, what it's you almost, have, uh, yeah. Well, and, and it's almost exact proof of my systemic push, right? Because now right. you're saying. Nope, systemically, we're just going to have it so that you can't execute anything else, right? So it's building, and that's why you would tackle this after you have um, IG1s done, and that means right. you've gotten into logging capabilities, you've right. gotten things centralized to some extent, you've gotten, right? So when you, when we take this journey as we keep going through this, you'll see that this does keep building on itself, right. and maybe we'll try to point out those points where if you had not done this one, yeah. you would not be prepared for this one retrospectively. Well, right, right. like 2.6, right. like, you know, do you allow .exes to be you right. know, brought right. into the environment, .dlls, I mean, fill in the blank here. In some cases, you might, and, and I think sure. it's important to note that .ocx files, like, especially if you're pro you know, have applications that have problems with, like, system yep. time and that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is, uh, if you don't have something in place <clears throat> and it's known by your staff, inevitably you will have a compromise because self-extracting.zip 
can be yeah. a real big problem, even though you well, might allow zip. Let's tackle that. Why? Your users, everybody get ready for this shocker. Your users just want to make your business successful. And so when you right. think about that, if right. you put things in place to stop their job getting done so they feel like a failure, so they don't feel like they've met what their success level meets, so right. they don't feel like they're able to pull their levers, they will freak out quick, right? I've never had a bigger fight than interrupting someone's ability to succeed in a business environment with technology problems. Right, right? which that's, which, that's which kind of gets into, like, again, this isn't an exhaustive approach to this. This is the CIS approach to this, but even CIS references uh, NIST SP 1800-5, which gets into by itself IT asset inventory. So nice. when you hit some of these obstacles, and whether you're listening to MSP 1337 and the monthly fireside chat, or you're reaching out to me through MSP Ignite Secure Outcomes, or... Uh, you know, you name all it, maybe places. you emailed me, yeah. like all the LinkedIn, whatever. The reality here is, you know, Matt and I both are like, hey, if you have a question or a concern or a challenge, we would love to hear from you because yeah, the reality yeah. is we know there are questions that we haven't heard yet. And we'd love to hear them because that is one of our passions is figuring out a way to help you solve for well, those. Well, they make me think. Absolutely. Right? They make, they, and I think that's one of the things I don't want to gloss over here. I'm a practitioner. The very definition of that is I'm practicing. I'm continuing to grow. I want to continue to understand and manipulate this in my own head. Yep. And so a lot of this talk that we have is oftentimes Chris and I actually hammering out our our viewpoints on this, even refining them or changing them over time. It's like Absolutely. somebody who finally realizes yellow brick road's the way to go, not necessarily this whole candy dandy, you know, shoots in ladder land. That's I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I believe Matt does have a <laughs> pair of red shoes. I does have red shoes. You are <laughs> telling the truth. I don't click my heels well, but anyways, hey, I no. did hear this yesterday before I let everybody go. You know, if yeah. I can have a superpower, what would it be? I had someone say this uh, yesterday. We were at a track meet that if I could just blink my eyes real quick once and I could be home, just go blink and, and oh, be wherever gosh. I needed to be. Like, yeah, view it in your mind. Like I got to go to a conference tomorrow. Blink. I'm there. Like, you know, what, we you know save so much time on though, which tells me they're probably not really going after it hard. They would immediately talk about that use for winning every race. And well, you're you're swept. you're thinking that this was a kid who yeah. gave this to me. This was an actual. Oh. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, fair. I, I withdraw my un, un, uneducated thought. I will <laughs> say to wrap fair. up. To wrap up too, though. Even looking at it from to your point, if you do two one two and three well, two one two two and two three well, then the rest of those are further refinement on how to do it to make it easy. Yeah, um, to clean up like, what you have, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, it helps yeah. to continue. So. Hey, I know this has been a lot. We went over a little bit, but this is really important for those of you that are taking cybersecurity seriously. We used CIS and the obstacles that you're you're going through today to, to be part of that growth journey. Uh, thanks again, Matt, for being on. And yeah, we're going to talk about data protection next month. So going to get deep, deep. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week.